back to the RPG Concierge. I am your concierge, Finnegan Justice Murphy. And if you've listened to our episodes, you know the deal by now. Our first season is all about making it easier for new players to get into this hobby. And joining me today are two very special guests, Alan Venable and Jill Fraser. They're both accomplished game masters and have both won the Iron GM competition at Gen Con, which is the largest tabletop role-playing game convention in the world. They're here to talk about their process, give a peek behind the curtain of game mastering, and help new players start running their own games. Without further ado, hi, Jill. Hi, Alan. Thanks for joining me. Hello. Hi there. <laughs> hi. Thank you so much for being on the show. This is great. I'm very excited to have you here. So we met through a mutual friend yep. who, as we heard in the introduction, mentioned that the two of you are quite prolific game masters. And so my hope is that during this episode, we can leverage some of your experience and knowledge to uh, to help some new players maybe break through that that barrier and become game masters in their own games. Absolutely. Yeah. So before we get to that, though, just because, again, this is this is geared toward new players. Can we talk a little bit about how you guys got started in role playing games? So my father played D&D but he never really talked about it. And I'd seen the books and then he started playing miniature games more. So I'd seen all of that. I'd been to the stores they play them in, but I didn't really know what it was. And then um, made it to college and I made the decision that I wanted to play Dungeons and Dragons. This sounded like fun. I already liked role playing and I was in the wild west of like freeform um, RP online. So I was like, let's try this with some math behind it, because I really like that, too. Uh -huh. And there was this guy who was flirting with me, and I said to him I wanted to play D&D. So he went, oh, I know someone who's running a game. And he did not, but he found someone to run a game. <laughs> smooth, <laughs> smooth operator. Yeah. <laughs> so the, the first attempt at it went really badly. Oh, no. The GM handed me a player's guide with no instructions and said, make a character. Oof. in a group that pre-existed with like 11 people already it was yeah i spent three hours trying to figure out how to build a character on my own it was a mess uh -huh. and uh, and 11 players and already oh my god that's like that's so many I know. it's basically a lark yeah uh, <laughs> so i built a character it was a terrible character but i did not know that we got into the game and i'm kind of hitting the ground running in a story that's already going and we run into a blue dragon and uh, the GM goes, okay, uh, dragon does all this. You get grappled. He picks you up in a hand. I'm playing a sorceress, which does not have strength yeah. at all. I'm not physically capable. And I'm like, okay, so what happens? And he goes, well, you're, you're grappled on your turn. You can do something about it. I was like, okay. So my turn comes around and I'm like, all right, Eric, what do I do? And he's like, well, you have to roll to get out of this grapple. And I'm like, how? So he lets me roll a die, and by some crazy miracle, I succeed. Hey, and there you go. He's like, okay, you're on the ground now. I'm like, can I do anything else? And he goes, no, your turn's done. I'm like, okay, cool. <laughs> Guess what the dragon did on its turn? It picked me right back up. Picked you up again, yeah. And then I uh, got to my turn, and I was like, so I, I roll again? He's like, yep, and I rolled again. And by some another crazy miracle, I succeeded. I hit the ground, and he goes, why don't you move? And I'm like, 
Do you what now? Because he said you couldn't do anything. Like I thought I asked this question. Yeah. He goes, yeah, yeah, you can move. I'm like, okay, well, I move so that I'm like to the side, out of the way of the dragon, so I can regroup and figure out what's doing while the other eleven people are fighting this thing. Yeah. And then on the dragon's turn, Eric had it turn its head and breathe fire at someone else. Cat me in the blast. I died. Turns out I'm a sorcerer. I don't have hit points and I have a terribly made character. <laughs> and then I spent the next eight hours, that is not an exaggerated number, eight hours sitting at a table watching 11 other people fight a dragon. It was a disaster of a game. Yeah. Why would you keep playing? Like, how did you stay in the hobby if that's your entryway? That's That story makes me cringe. It's so cringy. Uh just not to interrupt or, or take anything into that, but that does remind me of a quote from a Batman comic I read, where it's basically the difference between hero and villain is what happens after one bad day. Right. Ah. So uh, she's a superhero. No, I mean, uh, <laughs> I I had a feeling that that might not be the way this is supposed to work. Sure. And so same guy was still very much like i really want to date this girl and that was really really bad <laughs> so he went to a different friend and said friend please make a new game um and he bought all of the fourth edition D books mm -hmm. as they had just come out to make this happen and that friend picked up and ran a game and that is one of the most iconic games i've ever played in my life and there were seven of us playing that and it didn't feel like seven and That's... fourth edition was really easy for me to learn basically a board game yeah so it's super easy to get my character and you can't get it wrong in fourth edition you can't build the wrong character mm -hmm. so we did that i got to play something that i actually wanted to play i got to play a warlock and it was really easy and simple and then i could really invest in the role playing mm -hmm. and from there it just went on like crazy so i got to really indulge in the role-playing aspect with fourth edition because the mechanics were so simple yeah and learned to gm after that played a bunch of different games bigger crazier games like uh, pathfinder mm -hmm. and oh geez the list is huge but much bigger much crunchier games mm -hmm. and even then eventually ended up doing some development so i've got a couple like books out there with my name on it where i've made monsters for paizo and i've made entirely different indie games and stuff like that so i really got into the hobby after that but my first adventure in was an absolute disaster there's no way to say otherwise but one bad game doesn't necessarily mean it's a bad hobby yeah that's a good note that's a, a good piece of advice to remind uh, any new players. If you get into it and and the first session is not really firing on all cylinders for you, uh, that's okay. It might be indicative of a mismatch with your group or basically there are a lot of things that can go wrong that don't necessarily mean you as a new player are messing up. Well, well played. Well played. Um, and so what about you, Alan? How'd you get into this? Back when we were the freshman school, completely bored on the way to and from school on the bus. Ah, okay. Uh, had a buddy who's really into The Hobbit and really into a lot of fantasy stuff. And I was kind of just like, hey, what are you into? What are you looking at? What is this? Mm -hmm. And uh, his name was Adrian Silva. And one day I will find him and I will give him a metaphorical or real hug. I'm not sure. Depends <laughs> but, on how COVID's going. Yeah, it yeah. depends on how, how we feel. <laughs> But uh, 
he basically introduced me to advanced dungeons and dragons oh a d and d nice yeah Going way back. A-D&D. i still remember everybody remembers their first character right mm-hmm. i was a wacky little because at the time archer was a class yeah so i i was an elven archer and because I didn't know any better. I called my name. Uh, my name was Quiver. Oh, that's great. And I was like, all right, cool. What do I do? And so basically what he did was he made me run around with 14 dwarves and, uh, and a wizard. You know, <laughs> my very Seems first... familiar. <laughs> yeah. You know, at the time I was like, all right, cool. Yeah. What do I do? And so he explained to me what a role playing game is. Uh-huh. And I was like, oh, okay. So we're, we're basically telling a story to it's like, yeah, it's like, all right, cool. Uh, so I can just basically say this and then we elaborate from this. Yeah, perfect. I'm like, all right, I'm, I'm into it. And then uh, he's like, okay, now when we fight, we have to use dice. I'm like, oh, okay. As a kid, you have board games that tell you success or fail. I'm like, okay, that's fine. Yeah. And then he, and these are what they are. I'm like, wow, those are crazy looking. There's so many sides to them. He's like, yeah, 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 check this out. And we were going to give you stats and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, oh, well, this is a lot more involved than I thought it'd be. He's like, yeah. Right. And, and for about a year to two years, we played on the half hour ride to and from home. So we played about an hour a day. That's awesome. Uh, so we don't we'll always do that. And if one of us ever missed a day at school, we were like, oh, man. <laughs> yeah. Feeling that game withdrawal. <laughs> yeah. Basically, that was my influence. And it was a, it was a different traumatic experience. It was a. <laughs> It was a very enjoyable traumatic experience for me sure. because it was more slowly explained. Like I didn't realize that that was the only thing. I thought he made that stuff up and produced dice. I was like, oh, we'll actually do this. Yeah. Okay. All right. And then from there, the gateway basically opened to a bunch of different other games. And it wasn't really until college that I really understood that there was more genres out there than you know you could shake a stick at. Yeah. So I learned not how to GM a game master, but how to storytell. Yeah. Instead of being a referee, you know, I learned, oh, no, this this is a collaborative experience. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of how I kind of got into it. Because everybody, once they first start playing and you, you get the bug, you want it. You're like, okay, what, what story can I Yeah. Can I make that person feel as cool as I felt when I, you know, rolled the 20? Yeah. That's how I started. And then, you know, the rest is literally history. <laughs> That's great. Yeah, it sounds like you had a really nice sort of collaborative introduction to what gaming is. Do you think I've got a, I've got a handful of questions based off of that? Um, but do you think that that your introduction influenced the way that you run a game? Definitely, because I only really run games with friends, mm-hmm. and if we're not friends, then we quickly become friends. <laughs> right on. So it's kind of one of those things where we play a game called five minute best friends oh or five minute backstory, five minute backstory. If, if we if we've never met uh-huh. basically we we learn a little bit about each other and what we want out of the situation oh nice right so for example at iron gm you've never met these people mm-hmm. but you actually have to figure out what each person wants out of the, the experience right so maybe maybe that'll be an easier uh explanation once we explain what iron gm is sure exactly <laughs> and as for me 100% because that terrible session, eight hours, sitting watching other people have fun, not engaged with a terrible character that nobody helped me play. Uh-huh. I never want anyone to 
ever feel like that at a table, I am running. Yeah. I want you to feel like the most important person in the world, or at least part of the most important group in the world all the time. I don't want anyone to ever feel like I felt that night bored out of my mind. <laughs> and it was not a bad GM. It was just a bad game session with a new player and it wasn't new player friendly. Yeah. But I never wanted anyone to feel like that at my table. So it had a major effect on my Yeah. So you said you said something interesting there. It was not new player friendly. So there's a concept of new player friendly and not new player friendly. I am extremely new player friendly. I'm good at communication and instruction and helping somebody get started in the game. And whether I have to do that through role playing or the mechanics to help them find that comfortable footing, mm -hmm. I'm very good at that. But not every GM is new player friendly. Mm -hmm. um, you can show up somewhere to play games and this person's played it 50,000 times and just assumes everybody knows the rules and everybody's on board with what we're doing right now. Mm -hmm. And that's not new player friendly. And it's not a fault of any GM. There's some that are and there's some that aren't. And when you're a new player, if you are lucky, you run into one that's. Yeah. How can a new player who's looking to get started with a group uh, is there a way for them to figure out ahead of time whether or not this is a new player friendly scenario that they're entering? Uh, usually just ask. <laughs> Honestly, communication is the best when it comes to this. Uh -huh. uh, if you're a completely new player and you're about to join a game, look for a couple things like, is this a new game or is this a pre-existing game? Mm -hmm. Pre-existing games are harder to get into. Everyone's mm -hmm. already got a dynamic and you coming in can throw it off or it can enhance it. You don't know. It depends on how well you know these people. Like your friends will make room for you. Strangers may not. Mm -hmm. So that's a thing to look out for. Another is to ask the game master. Most of us know if we're new player friendly or not. And we know if the game we're about to start is or isn't. And we have no reason to lie to you about it. Right. It is a social contract, you know, to sit at somebody's table mm -hmm. to uh, run a game or even play in a game. So you kind of have to read that going in. And for some of us that are not socially forward, right, sometimes it's that's the big daunting part, like, you know, actually finding your voice and saying, hey, is this okay? Mm -hmm. Can I sit down? Can I watch? Is it cool? What are you guys playing? What is, you know, that that's, I mean, that's a lot of words to say. Mm -hmm. But there are plenty of groups out there that are meant to create new players. Yeah. That's kind of another another resource you can you can go for. Uh, both Pathfinder and D and D have their uh, Pathfinder Society and I forget what the D and D one is called. I think Adventurers Guild. I mean, it's the Adventurers Guild. Basically, organizations. It's yeah. their player mm -hmm. organizations yeah. run by the GMs uh -huh. with adventures given by the group, yeah. and their entire job is to introduce you to the games yes. mm -hmm. in a friendly and fun manner. And in modules that you can actually get into mm -hmm. uh, that are designed for new players. Yeah. That's another thing is the game has to be new player friendly as well. Mm -hmm. it, it's a lot harder to play a game. Let's say I'm going to throw one out there like Traveler if you're not into math. Right. right? Yeah. Like Traveler's great. Hero System's great. Except people have fun in different ways. Yeah. Right. Yeah, if you're a, a crunchy system lover, you know, you're going to go toward a lot of those more math-heavy yeah. or... And your, your fun will be in the math, Yep. right? Mm -hmm. Whereas some people, they just want to hang out with their friends, tell a cool story. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Some people just want to hang out with their friends. Yeah, sure, whatever. I'm a barbarian. <laughs> yeah, murder, death, kill. Uh, you know. Or games like Fiasco are great for just hanging out with your friends for yeah. the evening. New player friendly, right? Is is a great term for hey, do you want to play a game with us? You know, that is your game saying that. Are you looking for that game? You know, and it is it is kind of almost like finding the right puzzle piece to mm-hmm. actually go because you might have to go through several. Like Jill had to go through a second game to do. Mm-hmm. I got lucky. Right. My first game was super fun, so I decided to start try it myself. You know, mm-hmm. so it, it's one of those things where your expectations have to be yeah. uh, met in different ways, right? Yeah. yeah. So again, that the, there's things to look out for if you're going for a giant kaiju game, then going and finding 1920s noir drama. Right. You're not going to get what you want out of it. Right. You're probably <laughs> not going to have that much fun unless you like that yeah um so finding that new player friendly is also partly finding the genre that's good for you mm-hmm. and once you find something and you you've been through a game or two and you kind of get comfortable with the concept of mechanics success failure it's a lot easier to branch out and try new things yeah. i started with fourth edition and i know it has a very bad rap but i will love it forever because it brought me into the world of role playing like this mm-hmm. and yeah. Yes, I can see its flaws now, but at the time I was having fun, so who cares? Uh, sure. And now I play a variety of things. I love crunchy, I love indie, I love flavor, I love all those sorts of things. I've, I'll play anything at this point, or at least give it a shot to see if I like it or not. But it's a lot easier with a couple games under your belt. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's great. That's That's all really excellent advice. I bring this topic up in just about every episode that I have experienced people on, Mm -hmm. because I think it's important for anybody who's new or who's nervous about starting to hear these things said in a variety of different ways. But mostly it keeps boiling down to how do you advocate for yourself Mm -hmm. and how do you have that session zero conversation in discussing the game you're about to play? right setting those boundaries setting those expectations and so so thank you yeah those are that's that's all really excellent advice there jill one other thing i wanted to get back to was you said that your dad was into rpgs and miniature games and mm-hmm. things like that so this is just my own personal uh curiosity about sort of the evolution of role playing games and i'm not sure if this is for this episode or not um but as a second generation gamer, do you think your perception or your expectation of what games are or could be is colored by that generational hierarchy? It is, but um, in a very specific manner. Uh-huh. So in my house specifically, I was never told that I couldn't do something. Like the concept that uh, <laughs> being a woman would slow me down in a career I did not get introduced to that concept until I was about three or four years into a career when I learned that that was actually a thing that concerned people and there was such a thing as a glass ceiling because my father Uh and my mother didn't tell me there was one. So um, it advanced to role-playing in those games because he played Dungeons & Dragons when he was in high school or college and a little bit as an adult. He went and played the tabletop miniatures game. It was normalized for me. There was mm-hmm. nothing weird about this. There was nothing that was not socially acceptable about doing this. It was all totally fine. So being into all of that in my early uh, childhood, liking cartoons and doing lots of stuff and following along in it, into role-playing, into art, into 
what turned into development and coding is where the math brain followed me eventually. All of that was just normal. There was no reason I wasn't allowed to do it because somebody else not liking it didn't make it not okay. Uh, yeah. So the horror stories of Dungeons and Dragons back when he was a kid of people doing this, that, and the next thing, that wasn't there. It was just normal and okay that I liked it. So I did not have any like geek shame. I heard from a lot of other like adults, like they played Dungeons and Dragons in college, but they didn't tell anyone. They hid their books in their bag till they got, till they met up with their friends. That never happened. I wore it loud and proud. So it did uh-huh. have an effect in the form of I have no shame about it. I have no guilt or worry how people will perceive me about it because my parents just taught me that if I like it, that's fine. It's normal. As long as nobody who didn't want to get hurt is getting hurt, live and let be crazy. What a healthy mindset to teach your kids, right? <laughs> um, okay, so I think we're going to take a quick break right here. Mm-hmm. We'll be back with more from Jill and Alan after this short break from some podcast friends of ours. We're rolling. Mark. Hello, I'm Sky, And I'm Ford. Together, we form the writing partnership of L. Skyford. We're excited to bring you Booklandia, a new podcast about books. On Booklandia, we review books, mostly. Honestly, mostly romance books. We'll occasionally discuss book topics, like our favorite and least favorite romance book tropes. Maybe one day I'll learn what a cinnamon roll is. Maybe. Perhaps we'll also dive into my psyche and why I hate the enemies to lovers trope and why it's such a popular one. Is it because you're a robot? Probably. We will absolutely spoil books for you. We will absolutely f***ing curse. And you will leave each episode knowing just how sexy we thought each book was. Did it make us want to get naked? Maybe. I'm definitely naked. (laughs) Probably. So am I. So please join (laughs) us on Booklandia, (laughs) where each book is a whole world to explore. And we're out. Hey, this is TC. And this is Jim from the Studio Demands It podcast. Where every episode we take a demand from a hypothetical studio. Which could be you. And challenge ourselves to conceptualize, pitch, and craft a film based on the stipulations. Or the demands. We are given. We talk about movies all the time. Particularly, we complain about the choices made in the films we've seen. We're nerds like that. And, of course, like any good nerd does, we automatically assume could do better even with the demands and restrictions that clearly must have been put on by a production so head on over to studiodemandsit.com and listen to our previous library of episodes damn it our library of previous episodes our precious library jim (laughs) our library of precious episodes (laughs) you're a pirate smeagol okay so head on over to studiodemandsit.com to listen to our library of episodes and submit your demand for a future episode too so go do that okay bye okay end of ad and we're back with jill and alan talking about how to be a good game master or at least a friendly one at least a friendly one i mean how to have a successfully fun game (laughs) with your friends you know i mean good is subjective (laughs) well i mean you could say good is less subjective as as you guys are both winners of the iron gm competition uh Uh, that seems pretty objective to me when you're when there's scores involved then you can say you're good (laughs) (laughs) so speaking of that uh can can you guys give me a rundown of 
what that competition is like and how you guys went about doing that. Six hours of the best fun you'll ever have. Do you mind if I explain oh, nice. how the breakdown contest goes? Oh, sure. I, I don't mind at all. Okay. <laughs> so uh, do you know what Iron Chef is? That's like the contest yes. is based on. So, yes, so so Iron Chef, you, you're given a basket with a blanket over the top and a timer gets set and you lift up the blanket and you have to make a meal with the things that are in the basket. Yes, you got it. Perfect. Mm -hmm. So uh, that's the, the concept that this is based around. Uh, so you show up and Gen Con, it's usually about 20 to 25 game masters and every table has at least five players. Five to six, they usually try not to go above that. Um, they'll double Great. check with someone if they're going to put more at a table. but So you okay. show up, and the players are all thrown at tables, randomly assigned. Uh, you go in, and you are randomly given a table. Basically, every table has a number, and you pull a number out of a basket. Oh, great. The table double checks if they met you before, like if they actually know you. Or if you ran for them last year or years yeah. before, because this is something that GMs go back to over and over. And players. Got it. And players, yes. <laughs> and players go back to yes. over and over again. So they'll double check to make sure that they don't know you, you don't know them. And if you don't, then you get that table. Mm -hmm. uh, once all the tables are assigned, so you just know that you have table five. You haven't met table five yet. The announcers give you three secret ingredients that you have an hour to craft your adventure with. Then you have four hours? Yeah. Well, also remember that you have an hour to plan your adventure and an hour where you cannot speak to your players yeah. as they're making their characters except for three words oh yeah. my goodness so you get three words to communicate to your players on how to make their characters yeah so the hour in which you have to craft you're not allowed to talk to your table at oh. all okay. other than those three words and they have to build characters the rules are actually pretty good about what game you're going to play. Mm -hmm. The They have a default system. It's usually Dungeon Dragons 3.5, but they may oh, okay. have upgraded it to 5th edition or 1st edition Pathfinder. Mm -hmm. I'm trying to remember if they did that or not. Um, but they'll have a default system. Uh, when you're getting assigned to your table, they'll ask the table, hey, um, the GM is asking, do you want to run this? So I'll always be like, hey, do you guys want to play Pathfinder? Uh, or if not, we can play, you know, 5th edition Dungeons and Dragons, I'll do either. And then if the table can agree, we'll play the different system. If the table and the GM cannot agree, you default back to the default. It's mm -hmm. very fair. And a lot of the times, um, the tables are very open to trying something new. We've seen someone offer, was it Knives in the Shadow? Blades in the Dark. Blades, Blades in, in the Dark. dark. Um, and that did go through. He's very close. Knives in the Shadow sounds like a lot of fun. <laughs> and... Uh, <laughs> I'd play that. I'd play that, yeah. We've seen Cyberpunk <laughs> go through and a couple other games like that. Like the GM will offer something up. And a lot of the ones that have been it doing it a lot will just go, What do you want to play? Yeah. If you have a book, we'll play it. I'll yeah. figure it out in the next hour. Yeah, Dred's um, played uh My Little Ponies. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, you have awesome. the book. <laughs> yeah, the book. You're like, let's do it. That, All right. <laughs> that was his only rule. You had to have a handbook for him to read. So he knows how to run the game. So he knows the rules, <laughs> and he would run the details, game. Details, details. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, they, they do that. Then it yells go. You get your three ingredients, and the ingredients will be things like it's three random things. It's usually a place, a object, and a monster of some sort. Yeah, so it's it's usually a monster out of the beach here. Mm -hmm. It's usually a an event, and then a place. So something uh, like Kraken. And Q 
kingdom of death. And what was the third one for that one? I don't know. There's, there, we've Event. got a lot of them, so we, we have a lot of them. <laughs> <laughs> they all blend together. They yeah. tend to um, have the same starting letters or they rhyme yeah. or something There's like that. alliteration. Yeah. Ah, okay. A little New York Times crossword puzzle hints yeah. there and stuff. Basically, yeah. So you're given those Clever. and you have an hour. You're not allowed to talk to your table. Mm-hmm. You can like write and other things like that. So yeah. I. One per- person had a sock puppet or a uh, Wiley Coyote sign, you know? <laughs> <laughs> so it tests, oh, it tests your creativity. Mm-hmm. Sure. Like, how do you communicate with only three words? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? Level seven barbarians. And then you walk away or whatever. Yeah. So you have three <laughs> words and then you're quiet for an hour. They have an hour to build the characters. After that, they say go and your time starts and you just kick off your adventure and run. Mm-hmm. It usually goes about an hour and a half and then there's a break and then another hour and a half after that. So you're timed. You have to get your pacing right and get mm-hmm. through it. Um, at the end of that, there is a point they'll call time. They'll give you like a 15 minute warning, mm-hmm. but they'll call time. The jams leave. And the table is given score sheets and they have to fill out the score sheets and they're uh, reading you on your knowledge of the rules, your ability to adapt, how well you use the secret ingredients and a whole bunch of metrics. And usually the top like seven, we're talking like a hundredth or a thousandth of a point between them. Yeah. Wow. So you really get to know the people and what level you're at yeah. at, that, at that point. Because if you're in, if you podium, right then you're it's like oh really me and then after a while <laughs> you don't podium you're like what what what, what happened to <laughs> yeah why not yeah exactly <laughs> so but it, it becomes a little family and there's there's a bunch of us that go back and we we only ever see each other during these events mm-hmm. um, yeah we i mean we party after but it's oh. it's it's one of those things where if you were to attend iron gm as a player, the chances that you'll have a really awesome game is, you know, it's yeah, it's very high. I'd say cool. in the maybe low 90s. <laughs> okay. Wow. And that's only because there's also a lot of pageantry that happens during the game, too. Like, there, there are people running around. When you roll a natural 20, people yell, we scream, you get Mardi Gras beads. It's a whole event. <laughs> there's an MC, Lou. Uh, at Gen Con, wears a bright orange suit straight out of Dumb and Dumber. You know, he is, he is an MC that you have to. Uh, all the GMs write their own intro. You <laughs> know, so some people have grand entrances, you know, um, and some of us, like, we have music that plays while we go in, like a professional wrestler. Uh, <laughs> some of us have uh, skits that play out <laughs> during our entrances. Some of us throw fire. You know, it's a whole thing. That happens when uh, when you go to Iron GM, you start the day off with a bang, and mm-hmm. hopefully by the end of the game, you're just like completely spent because that was the best six hours you've ever you ever spent at that uh, con. There is one very important fact you need to add as well. What's that? Every GM has a name. Oh, that's right. I don't go as GM Jill. Yeah. Um, okay. Every GM has a GM name. Mm-hmm. That's their moniker they come in as, mm-hmm. and. Uh, you you don't want to be GM Jill. You want to be something super memorable. I'm looking for the right word there. <laughs> memorable. Memorable. Hey, memorable. memorable. <laughs> um, so the the people who you see up on the podium, they have names. You know them by something. Mm-hmm. One of our best friends, uh, Steve Helt, he's 
GM Ancient Sensei. That, oh. That's who he is. And a lot of the times, like, the those guys, your name's kind of been formed and handed to you mm-hmm. based on things that you have or haven't done. Yeah. So um, first time I showed up was actually before I even mm-hmm. knew Alan, really. It was like, two years I went before you joined? I have no idea. Somewhere around there. I didn't know you. I, mean, I had a friend who was just like, <laughs> I saw you run this game. I think you might like this. You should come and do it at Phoenix Comic Con. And I was like, okay, why not? And then I showed up at Phoenix Comic Con and I wrecked. <laughs> they were like, okay then. So um, that was a qualifier for mm-hmm. the main tournament. So I got my trip to Gen Con paid for to come and compete. Oh, I was one of the actual awesome. iron contenders. I messed, I messed them up so bad. Like I went and did that and we did the whole thing and Lou's like we've never had a woman win this like we had a girl take third in vegas once but um we only rented one hotel room and we have another iron tender who's male how do you feel about this and i was like i don't want to share a room with a guy i don't know and another <laughs> state yeah. <laughs> yeah and they were like we yeah. completely understand so they, they fixed it <laughs> but i'm i messed up their plans that year they weren't sad about it and then i we went down and like, you, you do this. And when I showed up, I told them my story about what I've done in games. I was dubbed GM emotional trauma. I bring emotional trauma to my players. I make them cry. <laughs> oh. In the best way. Yeah, no, no. So, they're, they're crying tears of joy or sorrow. Not because I like killed them. But they, right. You just dig deep into their backstory and bring up emotional context from the character. Yeah. I murdered their friends and family to remind them of my love. Right. Oh, no. <laughs> so, GM, uh, emotional trauma, because that's what I do. Mine is uh, dramatic pause. <laughs> <laughs> and so uh. everyone has these big names, and that's the pageantry that comes in. You say how long you've been gaming, um, what your GM name is, and then you know, like, why are you going to win today sort of stuff. So it's oh, that's a cool. big thing. And, you know, GMing, especially in the competitive circuit like that, is about big force of personality. You can mm-hmm. be the quiet person, but, and there's nothing wrong with that. There's plenty of people who make being the quiet person their force of personality as they come in. They're calm, yeah. they're reserved, they're that. But there's still presence about them. Mm-hmm. You want to mm-hmm. make it so that when you come in and... uh you pull a number, that table is on their feet being like, yes, yeah. I got that person. <laughs> yeah, I got GM, uh, what was it? Emotional trauma? <laughs> yeah. I got GM emotional trauma and yeah. I brought my Kleenex today. Right. So, <laughs> yeah. That's, that's it, what you want to do. It has happened. No, that's really fun. I'm very excited about that. So quick disclaimer, mm-hmm. I have been to zero Gen Cons. Oh, I know. It's crazy. I've been playing RP- tabletop RPGs since I was in middle school with my cousin and then got back into uh, fell out of it in high school, got back into it in college. That's, you know, mm-hmm. 500 years ago or whatever time means now sure. that we're in this quarantine. Right, stuff. Right. Um, <laughs> time means nothing. <laughs> right. Uh, but I've I've worked a lot of Halloween projects uh, through the course of my career. I'm a professional AV engineer, Mm -hmm. and that means that we're doing design work and installing things in late July through all the way. And so like, it just never was in the cards. Um, I will make it one day. It will happen. (laughs) It it is a great time. And it is 
easily one of the fastest tickets to go. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. there are so many events at Gen Con. I've also had a lot of people tell me, sorry, uh, that it's one of the most welcoming groups of people yes. that they've been with. Yes. It, like even people who are new to the hobby yeah. go for one year and they're just, uh, they feel so welcomed. Yes. Um, yeah, yeah. By, by yeah. The it, it is, again, like the more people we have in the room, the more energy there is. I mean, they're just Gen Con in general. Yes, general. That's <laughs> what I mean. Is like it, the more people that are in, in the room, like when those doors first open, right? I'm sure you've seen pictures of the 10,000 people waiting outside the doors. Yeah, right? absolutely. I was part of, part of that one year and I was like, this is nuts. Why am I doing this? I could have just been on the balcony, you know, <laughs> sort of thing. But then, you know, uh, one of my favorite artists is standing right next to me. I'm like, holy crap. And he's like, he's yeah. waiting too. He's, he's excited. He's having fun. And I'm like, I love your stuff. Let's go. <laughs> you know, it reminds me that um, in this hobby, and this is something I've said before, so my listeners will probably be like, man, Finn, stop repeating yourself. But uh, <laughs> this hobby, we're all performer and audience. Yes. And so your story of like looking across and seeing this artist that you really uh, you really like, mm-hmm. who's also super jazzed about getting inside, yeah. it, it just kind of highlights that notion of we're all in this hobby because... Mm-hmm it touches some part of us that is really excited by it. Absolutely. Um, yeah. It, so. It's one of the only, th- one of the only things that I've ever uh, done where you are the product, right? Yeah. Y- yes. Uh, they sell the book, but it's you. The, the, if you're a GM, then it's you that people come back for. Yeah. So can we, can we dive a little bit into how do you prep a game what would you encourage a new GM like like do's and don'ts for for some kind of new GM? You could go first. <laughs> yeah. um, Sorry, I know that's kind of no, no, piling a bunch of different no, things no, on no, top of you. Good. They all chain together, but you should go. First. Yeah. <laughs> so I assume we're talking for just a game, not competitively building for a game. They are different animals. Yes, okay. yes. But if you're just having a friendly game, you, let's say uh, you're you're kicking off a brand new campaign. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you prep? Usually it starts with the concept. Like somebody has an idea and I'm a big fan of me and the group have an idea. I'm not a huge fan of just the GM has an idea, but that's because I have a lot of really bad experiences with the GM who's like, I have a cool idea regardless of what you guys want to do. I'm a fan of me and the group, especially for friends. Like we'll, we'll have a thought like, okay, we want to play werewolves and that's cool. So what I'll do is I'll sit down and answer a couple important questions. When, why, what sort of stuff? Like, what are we doing? Why are we doing this? When are we doing this? And what world are we playing as well? Mm Because the concept of werewolf can mean a thousand things. You and I have different definitions of what a werewolf is. Like when you think about it, and even as simple as okay, if a person turns into a werewolf, what does it look like? Does it have two legs or four legs? Like it's sure. it's big, and every concept is that. So I'll answer those very basic questions. Um, you know, what are we playing? Why are we playing it? When are we playing it? And uh, with the group, we'll kind of agree. So okay, we're playing werewolves. We're playing werewolves in the modern world. We're playing werewolves that are out in the open. So supernatural creatures are in the open, or are they hidden? Which one are we doing? Because that's a different game. And if you mm-hmm. come in expecting us to be playing in the shadows, and I'm like, all right, everyone knows what werewolves are. They play in the NFL. Two totally <laughs> different games. So we'll 
answer those questions together so that everybody understands the world that we're going to play. And I always start with, okay, what world are we going to play? So that I know the rules and you know the rules of what we're building. And then you guys put together some characters and I'm going to toss to you like three or four starting points and you tell me where sounds good. Like uh, it could be we're, you know, werewolves in the NFL or it might be, okay, we're werewolves and we take part in basically supernatural SWAT where rather than human police going into a werewolf's house for domestic disturbance, they call us because, you know, that's what we do. So like mm-hmm. you'll throw that out and you find a spot where everybody agrees on. Um, and that's the majority of the prep that I do for a game. Oh, okay. Yeah. So I, you are, you're highly improvisational. Then. Oh, I'm extremely improvisational. I am. Uh, my style of jamming is okay. We've kind of like come up to an agreement about who we are, what we're playing, when we're doing it. And, you know, the basic idea of our starting point. And then from there, I'm just going to make this up and build a story as we're going. So I'll start with the concept of, okay, uh, the domestic disturbance. We're going to go deal with a werewolf domestic disturbance. Let's go. Mm -hmm. And when they get there, I'm like, there's cops and their names are this and they do this and this is their job on the scene and you need to go talk to them and then just start improving and building it out and building on what my players say. So I'm very improvisational and reactionary. I'll be prompting Mm -hmm. them to interact with this. And then based on their interaction, I will finish fleshing out that person because I'll have an idea of what they want out of it. If they approach this guy and they're really, really nice to him, then the answer is probably they want to be friends with this person. So I need to make someone who's going to be very amicable to this. If they approach them and they're like, oh, we have to go talk to this guy, then they're probably not friends. They probably don't like him. And I need to build a character that responds to that. So that's how I roll. Extremely improvisational the entire thing. I start about six months before session zero. Oh, wow. Okay. So quite the opposite then. Yeah. (laughs) I start by uh, checking with my friends that I would like to play the game with, what they're into, what game they're playing right now, if they would be open to uh, playing another game. Whatever idea it might be, it might come from anywhere. It could come from a conversation. It could come from, hey, that was kind of cool. Let me uh, check this out. But what if I put the werewolves in? (laughs) Okay. All right, cool. Uh, What would that be like? All right, well, yeah, I, I don't know. Cloud Atlas with werewolves. I'm not sure that would work, you know, <laughs> but it, it's that sort of thing where the gears start to turn and everything like that. And you kind of gauge, like, where are my friends into right now? Like I said, I, mm-hmm. I, I only really play with people that I know because I yeah. already know kind of what they kind of bring to the table, literally and figuratively, to that game, right? I sure. might get a different flavor of chocolate, but I know it's still chocolate. You know what I mean? Yeah. All right. Now I've figured out the five people that I want mm-hmm. and the five people that will help tell the story or will tell the interesting story. Right. Because it's my entertainment too, right? <laughs> it's not, yeah. yeah. So every, everybody. Performer and audience for sure. Yeah. Everybody sits down at the table to enjoy themselves, including yeah. the game master. And that's part of the collaborative process. Yes, I do have a story to tell, but it's up to you guys to get there. And mm-hmm. if it's not that apparent, or what my story is isn't as interesting, then what are you guys doing? What are you into? Okay, maybe we throw something in there that's more interesting, That and then that leads to my story. Yeah. You know, So it, it's, it's a lot of that. There is a lot of skeleton that I write, write out. I, I make sure that, okay, we start here. We want to end here. Everything in between, who knows? Yeah. But I know that 
if we start off the game in New York, I eventually want to get to Seattle. Okay, how do we get to uh, Seattle? Sure. <laughs> you know, or you know, it, it might be uh, a module. You know, sometimes sometimes it's just fun to shut off your 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 campaign builder in your in your head and just run a module. Uh-huh. Who somebody's already done it. They put time, effort, energy, and love into this. Give give it some respect, and that that might make it easier to gain those five people. Right? Hey, man, we're gonna play this Pathfinder module. You in? Yeah, sure. Because everybody already has an expectation of what, what those things are gonna get, right? Yeah. And there's little primers that already explain the world, and you already know the world that it's in. It's right. you know, it's answering all the questions Jill did homebrewing that that's what takes time for me. So sure. usually six months later, at, usually after somebody else's game is done, because we uh-huh. love playing and we love uh, GMing, that I'm like, all right, guys, next week, here we go. We got to make characters. <laughs> okay. Nice. And so we have a whole session. Somebody springs for pizza or whatever, you know, communal food <laughs> we decide. Yep. And we make characters and we have a session of, okay, who are you going to be? Okay, we do need this. And, and sometimes you need that that min-maxer, you know, in the party to go like, guys, we have no healer. We prefer optimizers. Optimizers. <laughs> <laughs> right? Uh, that, that's like, hey, guys, we have no healer. Right? Okay, so you have, you have the melee down, you have the range down, you have the magic, you have, okay, cool. You know, and everybody has a spot. Or maybe everybody just went, all right, uh, we're, we go to the same fighter academy. Uh, everybody's yeah, a fighter. Real. Okay, but what kind of fighter are you? <laughs> All right, cool. You know, and sometimes that's the game you play. But that that's kind of the the whole idea of that thing. However, what I like to do is I like to throw an extra little bit in there, which is kind of the five-minute backstory uh, with each character, where right. I, I basically ask them, okay, who here, who at the table do you know? You guys aren't just random people that meet at a bar, okay? Yeah. Because I don't know if you've ever been to a bar. You never meet five random people that you like right away. Yep. <laughs> if if you could go back and tell, you know, young Jill and and young Alan when you're just starting to run your first game with all the experience that you have now, what would you have told yourself? I probably would have told myself that I did not need to know every page of that book back and forth. Knowing it all did not help me in any situation. Knowing every rule isn't a requirement. Knowing every monster up and down isn't a requirement. I don't need to know all of that to run a fun night for my friends or even for strangers. I don't need it. As long as I have a decent enough idea of what we're about to do next, or I can at least come up with it before they ask me, then I'm good. And knowing Mm -hmm. every rule is not required because more than once during my time jamming, we run into a situation and they're like, okay, well, what's the rule for this? And I don't know the rules for climbing slippery ladders on the side of the ship. I know they exist. I just don't know them off the top of my head. So I'm going to say roll 3d20 uh, with target number 14 and we'll see what happens. And if somebody stops and says, uh, I know those rules, I'll be like, okay, well, can you get those rules for me like right now? Because we have to go open a book. We're doing my way and we're moving forward. <laughs> don't let that break what's going on just sure. don't need to know all the rules it's fine to make it up as you're going somebody else just made up these rules anyway why why is it different if you do it it's not so bravo remember those <laughs> things and i think there was one other thing that i was thinking that i needed to remember as well oh 
yeah, um, who cares that you're a girl? I didn't. Why, why, why would you? I was very spoiled in the start of my career of GMing and playing games, but I did not run into that. But it doesn't mean that I haven't run into it. But it comes back down to who cares? You still run a better game than him, and that's not your fault. Very, very, very true. Uh, bravo. My whole thing when I was starting out was I, I had to read the book. Right. I had to read it from front to back and I had to do it. And I would tell the younger version of myself to relax. I know it's so cliche. It's only a game. Mm -hmm. You're not mm -hmm. here to remember what's on page 30. You know, yeah. you're, you're here to tell a story and to also understand that I would tell, I would tell my younger self, you enjoy games that are not player versus GM. Yes. So, yes, that's a big one. And railroads are okay for a little while. But mm -hmm. after that, see if this train has wings. Oh, that's great. Yeah. See if this train has wings. That's great. I love that. <laughs> so that, that's what I would tell my younger self because I did try to memorize everything. Mm -hmm. And I made myself nuts because I'm not that type of person. And I realized that as I was doing it, right? Mm -hmm. Somebody was like, oh, okay, I'll do this. I'm like, okay, uh, 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 roll this. You know, I said, pour through the book. Yeah. This guy took first place at Gen Con ah. running a game he didn't know any of the rules to. Hey. If you had asked him to build a character <laughs> in this system, he couldn't have done it. How do I know? I built all of his characters in that system for him nice. every single time. <laughs> he did not know a single rule, and he still somehow won a competition over it. I got a perfect yeah. score that year. Nice. So, so yeah, so, so clearly... <laughs> <laughs> Clearly, I, I think from from what I'm hearing, there's a lot of stress that new players put on themselves, or that new GMs will put on themselves that is related to the memorization of rule sets. Mm -hmm. I think what you're saying is correct. I don't know how useful it is to somebody who's never done it before mm -hmm. to hear that because they're still going to stress about that. Sure. But what I can say is that once you play for even a few minutes through a few dice rolls, mm -hmm the rules become a lot more transparent than they seem in the beginning. Absolutely. If, for example, 5th edition D&D, &D, mm -hmm. you always roll a d20 and add a stat to it. Yep. And that's the whole game. Yep. You know, 300 pages a book or whatever it is, mm -hmm. a lot of additional companion sets and things like that. And really what it comes down to is I want to try X maneuver. Okay, roll your d20 and mm -hmm. add whatever point it is right. to that. So the, the games that we're talking about are built to be played in a fun environment. Mm -hmm. Some systems are more crunchy than others, mm -hmm. but that doesn't mean that they're impossibly complex. Right. Mm -hmm. So it's a lot um, easier as soon as you get your foot in the door. It always seems really daunting. Everyone feels like there's a huge learning curve to get into this. It's yeah. a fake tail. It's just an illusion. The curve is there. <laughs> yeah. You're in. You're good. Yeah. It's just jump in. And it's not always going to go well. My first game was a train wreck that did not have wings. It just went off a cliff. <laughs> <laughs> but my second one, boom, amazing. You know, like that, that was the game I was looking for. I didn't know it yeah. to try it again. Oh, uh, sure. one more nugget of yeah. wisdom from future Alan to pass down. Uh -huh. It's okay to let things go. Ah, it's so okay clever. to let them down. Sometimes sure. you also have to take them out back and shoot them. <laughs> <laughs>
we've had to do it. We yeah. have a lot of good friends and we had a Friday night game and we loved all of these people. And if we wanted to keep loving these people, then that game had to die. Yep. Mm-hmm. Games go bad sometimes. Yeah. And it's no one, everyone's fault, you know? Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, yeah, yeah. A thousand things happen. We could have run a game with these people a hundred times and 99% of the time it would have gone fine. This one sure. went rotten. And yeah. every, you know when a game is truly gone rotten. Mm-hmm. Everyone realizes it. Everyone knows because no one's ever having fun. Mm-hmm. And someone's yeah. stressed and someone's fighting about something outside of the game. And the moment it breaches outside the walls of the game, mm-hmm. it's gone rotten. And it's it's okay to just let it go. Mm-hmm. Because yeah. you'd rather have your friend in the end than be right about what D20 will. True. Yeah, that, that bleed out can be a, a pretty gnarly uh, experience. So yeah, uh, if you do find yourself catching that sort of vibe as the person who's running the game generally speaking there's a lot more responsibility put on you or people look to you to be a source of management i guess for the whole table the whole night as a whole and so if you start to catch that vibe it's okay to sort of step back and just ask the table directly out of game Mm -hmm. how's everyone doing is this vibe in-game frustration or has it bled out to real world frustration? Do we want to take a 10? Do we want to put this away and play Settlers of Catan instead to get sure. even more frustrated, I guess? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Terrible well, you're, example. You're but... fun. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's a, it's a thing. Like We have only so much time, right? Mm-hmm. Those of you with children understand that more than others. but how we choose to spend that time should be fun Mm -hmm. and not taxing um right you know it it, like we we talk about um open open secrets Mm -hmm. so like when we sit down and play if i'm your rival in the game our characters don't like each other but my friend you are my friend right we 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 give each other the yeah i slap him in the face tee hee hee right sure and then okay then he pulls out a knife oh hey hey you know and then you back down there's a whole thing that happens back and forth but as long as it's out there and it's not a a close secret you you can't like you said it, it bleeds in right if you have stuff outside of the game that's mm-hmm. leading into into the game. Sometimes you gotta let the game be. Sometimes yeah. you gotta, you know, what'd you say put it out back and put it out back. shoot in the head. Yep. Sometimes <laughs> that's the case. Sometimes you just need a power plant. Mm-hmm. But sometimes yeah. sometimes you, you just gotta throw it all out. And sometimes it's the jam who's super unhappy and you're playing a game where everyone else is having fun but you're not, you're a person at this table too. Yeah. You're supposed yeah. to be having fun too. Yeah. And if you're not having fun that's another reason to put an end to a game. And it, you know, it's, we don't really want to sit here and talk tabletop horrors all night, but yeah, it's, sure. it's an important thing to understand. That's a different <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're not a failure as a GM for having to put an end to a game. Even if it happens to you for the first four or five games you play, it's trial and error. Like you, you've heard between us, I show up, get the minimum down on the table that we need. And I'm like, go. Let's figure this out. I'm going to make something up and I'm going to get a lot of joy 
out of trying to build something like two steps ahead before you got there. Um, yeah. I'll have fun with that. That's my version of fun. The players who play with me either can't tell the difference or really, really enjoy it. So it's good. Uh, mm-hmm. Alan plans for six months. He's ready to go. He's got a good skeleton for where we're going, but he's flexible enough to know when to let go of something and try and bring it up later rather than mm-hmm. force it. So those are two extremely different styles of games. And yeah. that's just how it is. You'll find your style. It just is going to take a lot of trial and error to get there sometimes. Right. Okay. I think that about wraps us up as far as advice for running your own game. Thank you again, Jill and Alan, for being on the show. I really appreciate it. Before we get to the sign-off, is there anything that you guys would like to plug for our listeners out there? Yes. Uh, we actually met due to a, a friend of ours. So hi, Andre. Uh, we basically- What's up, Andre? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, He's been a huge uh, fan of the show since episode one. So uh, big thanks to you, Andre, for making this connection happen. I really appreciate yes. it. Uh, and we actually, Andre and I met through competitive lightsaber fighting. So yes, lightsabers. Um, awesome. But, you know, the, the safe kind, not the plasma. <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> so we actually fight with uh, nerd sticks or uh, aluminum and polycarbonate glow sticks, as they're normally called. Um, cool. And we have a whole uh, foundation called the Sable Martial Arts Foundation that's actually teaching martial arts through the lens of the lens. So uh, learning sword play of different styles, different cultures, different things like that in the guise of a lights. That's and, awesome. Yeah. So sabermartialarts.life is where you can find us and all of the schools that are affiliated all over the country. Uh, hey, hey, that's awesome. Congratulations. Prob- thank you. And probably all over the world now because they also have a podcast, the SMAP podcast. And there are a lot of us that want to safely fight you and hopefully <laughs> uh, make each other better. Uh, life. We're here for the fun, the martial spirit, and the commodity. First off, sure. we should thank Iron GM. Thank you, Iron mm-hmm. GM. You know, yes, they, they, excellent work, Iron GM. They made all of this possible for us to hone our skills in a competitive environment. True. And then just because it'll make them very happy, not because I expect a lot of people to suddenly rush to our group, I'm going to go ahead and talk about my Wolf Bear Docs. We are Dakotas, an art ARPG. We're based on DeviantArt and our own little site as well. Uh, I'm not even going to say it because I even can spell it. Just go to DeviantArt, you'll find us. We're giant wolf bear dogs, rideable species. <laughs> and the entire point of the game is to come and play with a giant rideable wolf bear dog and do lots of art to tell your stories. And it's an RPG. Too, so. Oh, yeah, it's fully so it's, an RPG. It's a, uh, it's a version of what we do on the tabletop, just mm-hmm. with art. Art is the medium instead. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I have... I'm, gonna go check that out because i have so many questions about how that works um (laughs) so it has um, three more episodes for us (laughs) i know exactly i'm gonna have to have you guys like as a regular recurring guest so thank you very much um i'll get those web addresses and things like that from you so we can put them in the show notes for people to find and as always to our audience if anybody wants to get in touch with me you can email me at the rpg concierge at gmail.com or you can reach out to me on Twitter at Finnegan1. That's F-I-O-N-N-E-G-A-N and the numeral one on Twitter. Um, feel free to send any questions 
and I will try to get you set up with some kind of answer. Um, so, what does it say the right answer? Just some, <laughs> just some kind of answer. I mean, this is this is an art, right? There's there's really no right answer. So, thanks, Alan and Jill, once again for being on the show. I uh, I really appreciate it. This was wonderful. I hope we get to hang out and do this again sometime. Absolutely.